Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Colapitro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. And I'm Igor Belokronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I help leading health providers and payers with their strategies and operating models. And today we are very excited to have with us Omar Chain and Amy Hunkler. Omar is a partner and Amy is a managing director in our pharmaceutical and life sciences team. Welcome, Amy, and welcome, Omar. Hello. Very excited to be on this podcast and looking forward to today's discussion. Thank you both. Can't wait. Excellent. Well, I heard some interesting news the other day. Merriam-Webster announced vaccines as the word of the year for 2021, and they actually saw more than a 600% increase in lookups this year over last year. And today, that's what we'll be discussing with Amy and Omar is vaccines, the evolution of the vaccines market, and specifically mRNA technology. Compared to the overall pharmaceutical industry, the vaccine industry is relatively small. However, as we all witnessed, the COVID-19 pandemic quickly disrupted that space as manufacturers raced to be the first to create a safe and effective vaccine. In fact, due to the pandemic, the vaccine market is expected to grow at higher than historical CAGR in 2021 and onwards. Omar, could you touch on the historical attributes that have characterized the vaccine market and take us through how the COVID-19 pandemic and specifically mRNA technology has really shifted the dynamics of the market? Absolutely. And it's really an incredible story for what we've seen happen over the last 18 months or so since the start of the pandemic. As you mentioned, Jenny, the vaccine industry historically has been a very well-established, very well-characterized industry. Kind of few of the characteristics that made the industry different than other sectors within the pharma industry is Number one, the fact that this was historically an industry that had significantly high barriers to entry, either because of CapEx investments required to build up manufacturing capabilities in the sector or the costly development cycle associated with developing vaccines, which can take sometimes an order of a decade, a decade and a half. This is an industry historically that is highly concentrated. Five manufacturers pretty much constitute 90% of the global market share. And this is an industry that historically has enjoyed the lack of generic substitutes or biosimilars for that matter. So once a product exists on the market, it has a very, very long life. And all these things that I described earlier are now changing and changing rapidly because of the pandemic and because of what happened in mRNA and maybe illustrated with a few examples. Number one, the CapEx investment that's required in the development costs and the complexity in discovering new vaccines. A lot of these barriers have been lowered recently because of the amount of funds and the amount of investments that have been made from public sources to help fund the development and accelerate the, the adoption of new technologies. So that is changing that part of the equation. Obviously, when we talk about low threat of generic substitutes or IP protection, broadly speaking, even though the jury's still out on that front, but there's, as probably everyone has seen through the news, a lot of discussions around opening up IP libraries associated with the mRNA and the viral vector vaccines, for example. So that's also now becoming a new dynamic. And that concentrated market that we were talking about, the five companies owning up 
90% of the market share, that's also changing. It's opening the door now to a large number of new biotechs that have enjoyed the influx of capital to help accelerate their development and to help come to the forefront basically now in vaccine production. So a lot of the dynamics are now changing. I suspect we're going to see continued evolution in these dynamics that's going to create a very different market a few years from now. Amy, the next question is for you. Omar mentioned some of these new players that are taking advantage of the lower barriers to entry and lower restrictions. Can you talk a little bit about these new entrants into this space that's being reshaped and what their strategies are and what they're going to have to do to be successful? Absolutely. Thanks, Igor. Without question, the pandemic has dramatically changed the competitive landscape in vaccines. I think it's safe to say that none of us had previously discussed with our friends and family brand names of vaccine manufacturers or debated which one was better than the other outside of those that work in the space. So the number of new entrants and the impact they've had has been unprecedented. And I think there are two archetypes of entrants that are poised to continue to disrupt with different success factors in terms of what will be required in the future. One group are companies that were previously pre-commercial and the pandemic really accelerated time to first product. And as you can imagine, they had to build capabilities at, for lack of a better term, warp speed. And their success was really driven by an agile and innovative approach across government engagement and partnership, manufacturing, scale up, market shaping. But the key for them as the market evolves will be to continue to solidify a broader operating model that's needed under more traditional market dynamics and to scale that up without losing the innovative and agile approach that they've taken in the market historically. The other group are some established biopharma players that maybe had a more niche footprint in the vaccine industry or, or none at all. And they were able to kind of quickly mobilize resources to address the market need, leverage their brand legacy and existing capabilities to drive quick results, and also draw from a more holistic set of best practices, whether that was specific to vaccines or more broadly for therapeutics to really drive success in this market. And as we look forward, the key here will be to find the right balance between mRNA and the broader portfolio, leveraging the full set of assets and experience that they have, whether it's true portfolio assets or a broader set of capabilities, and thinking of different ways to differentiate, perhaps drawing from other therapeutic areas or other technology modalities in their legacy to really drive disruption in the market. But I think it's safe to say from my perspective, this will be a really fun space to watch moving forward. Yeah, fun indeed. Amy, it sounds like with this dramatic change in the vaccine landscape that the already established players have a lot to think about. Omar, what do you think that they need to do differently to cope in this new environment and be competitive moving forward? Yeah, so historically, the basis of competition in vaccines has focused predominantly on product attributes and product innovation and a company that is able to bring an improved product to the market is able to create a competitive advantage. And obviously this will continue to happen and the traditional stakeholders, players that influence this industry, the advisory committees, the regulators, the KOLs will continue to play a vital role. But I think there's probably two things that I would highlight that are going to start factoring into this new competitive factors that companies need to pay particular attention to. The first one I would say is going beyond the product for differentiation. So now we're going to be faced with a market that has a number of competitors and a number of products competing in the same category. 
And many of these products may have similar profiles. So one of the key factors for competition is going to focus on how these companies can differentiate themselves from a customer experience. Vaccines are typically complex to manage. Vaccination programs are typically complex to manage. And this lends itself to an opportunity where manufacturers can play a role in improving the customer experience, whether that customer is a distributor, an immunizer, a wholesaler, or even a patient to make the vaccine more accessible. So that's going to be one new dimension of competition. The other new dimension of competition, as we've seen illustrated through the recent pandemic, is the role that social determinants of health this is going to be an incredibly important factor in driving equity of vaccination and really starting to pay particular attention to underserved communities that are in need of the vaccines. Whether we're talking at a macro global level, as we saw the, the distribution gap of COVID vaccines between the developed and the developing world on one hand, but also within specific markets the variation that we've seen in vaccine adoption in some of the underprivileged communities. So that's going to be another important factor that can help drive differentiation for vaccine manufacturers. These are really powerful considerations in terms of patients and communities and products. But let's go back upstream to the technology and the science. And we have this mRNA technology now that has proven itself but it seems like we're still in the very early stages of seeing what it could truly do and its full potential. So Amy, tell us how you think about mRNA and its various applications and how it's going to continue reshaping the industry going forward. Absolutely. So it's fun to think back to maybe about two years ago before the pandemic, where there was a scientific and philosophical debate about the impact that mRNA would or wouldn't have in the future market. And fast forward to today, I don't think that debate is quite the same anymore. And it's clear, of course, the impact that has been established in COVID. But there are a broad set of other applications that are being explored, both vaccine and therapeutic. So in the vaccine space, we're already seeing companies with late stage development programs and other respiratory indications like flu and RSV. Of course, there's a broader application in, in other vaccine indications as well, both pandemic and seasonal. The other big thing we're seeing in the vaccine space is the talk about combination vaccines and specifically combination mRNA vaccines, given some of the operational and manufacturing advantages that this technology has. And that really has the potential to continue to disrupt the vaccines environment and provide really differentiated value in the market. But beyond vaccines, there's huge potential being thought of for the mRNA platform in therapeutics. And given the mechanism of action, the range of applications is really broad, all the way from different oncology areas to rare disease and other genetic disorders that are being studied, both early stage preclinical as well as starting to move into the clinic. I think it's interesting to think about what new challenges this breadth of opportunities presents to mRNA technology players in terms of how they think about portfolio resource allocation, how they think about the breadth of capabilities that's required to bring these products to market and to commercialize them, given the diversity of end market needs that are required. So it's really exciting, the application that these products have, but more to be seen based on the data and the future evidence that is generated. Very interesting. Now, many of our listeners are working for various health organizations such as hospital systems and health insurance companies. And historically, vaccines have not been really high on their list of priorities. And certainly mRNA was nowhere near their consideration set. 
going forward, how should they be thinking about vaccines in general, mRNA specifically? How should they incorporate it into their agenda? What kinds of things should they be paying attention to, to make sure that they're really plugged in and thinking about this strategically? Omar, any thoughts on this? Yeah, and it is an interesting topic, and I think we're going to see this particular topic evolve in the near future, but there are a few considerations I would highlight. It appears that at least in the foreseeable future for the next, let's call it three years or so, mRNA vaccines will continue to require some form of sub-zero refrigeration frozen distribution chain that's going to be required to get the vaccines through the supply chain all the way up to the point of administration. So that is going to present a particular challenge to the entire healthcare system, starting from the distribution in the supply chain all the way down to the point of immunization on how to now build up that capability on ongoing basis versus in a form that was an emergency response that we saw in COVID. And in particular, as we start seeing more and more vaccines that are being developed, flu will be the next target that will hit the market most likely with mRNA technology. So making sure that that distribution chain is well-tuned now to frozen products and ultra-frozen products is gonna be an important readiness factor. The other part I would build on something that Amy mentioned, which is a very interesting dynamic that we're starting to see in vaccines, is this brand recognition associated with vaccine, where historically probably none of us have walked into a clinic and asked for a specific flu vaccine by name or a specific type of technology in the vaccine. Whereas now we, we might start seeing this kind of choice or preference emerge, and this is going to put an interesting topic for payers around how are they going to handle that and will they factor in the potential emergence of product choice into their reimbursement decisions. Historically has never been a factor, but depending on the price points that these new vaccines are going to command, this might start becoming an important point for payers to pay attention to. And maybe one last point here on that front, expanding beyond just providers and payers and looking at it from a public health perspective, there's a very important trend that we're seeing currently around pandemic resilience and pandemic readiness, that while we are still in the middle of the current pandemic, many countries around the world have started now investing to secure pandemic resilience or to address pandemic resilience in anticipation of future pandemics. And that's translating into significant investments that various governments and jurisdictions are making into building up local manufacturing using mRNA or other technologies in other cases to make sure that there's self-sufficiency. And I think we're going to see more and more of that trend transpiring as the need for securing access to vaccines in the event of a pandemic is going to continue to be a challenge. It's exciting to hear about the accelerated evolution and innovation in this space. And I look forward to seeing how the vaccine market continues to evolve. As you mentioned, with the increase in investments, the expanded applications of mRNA technology, the new ecosystem players and partnerships you mentioned, as well as the enhanced consumer awareness experience and access. Omar, Amy, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. 
This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.